Hello and welcome to Speaking Spirit, where we talk about all things spiritual. Your host, John Moore, is a shamanic practitioner and spiritual teacher. And now, here's John. Hey everybody, um, I have a very, I hope exciting, definitely exciting for me, podcast episode this morning, while well, I'm recording it in the morning, you may be listening whatever time it is where you are. Um, today I have my first guest. This is something I've been promising for a while. So you don't just have to listen to the sound of my voice. And I'm so excited to uh, introduce you to my dear friend, Jessica Verrill. And I'll tell you a little bit about uh, Jessica, and then we're going to talk about something I think is of interest to everyone um, today. Uh, so Jessica Verrill is the founder and CEO of Blue Indigo Publishing Services. She provides soul-led leaders a global platform to showcase their skills through the process of becoming best-selling authors. Her skills as an intuitive coach and energetic alchemist support high levels of growth and alignment with the intention of attracting high-end clients and opportunities. Jessica resides in Maine with her husband and daughter, where she loves connecting with nature, gardening, and being of service. And amen to all of that. And I am uh, so happy to have another Mainer on here as well. Good morning, Jessica. How are you? I'm well, John. Thank you. Excellent. And um, we're going to, you know, we're definitely going to talk a bit about the you know, the projects, I know you have a lot going on. I don't even know everything that you have going on. So I'm excited to hear about that. Um, but today we decided that we were going to talk about poverty mindset and poverty consciousness. And, um, you know, why don't you tell, why don't you tell us all, I'm sure I will learn a tremendous amount um, about that. Uh, and and why, that, why is that an important topic to you? Yeah. Awesome. Um, thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to be here and your first guest. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So poverty mindset, um, is something that I've experienced myself and come up a lot with, with my clients and now with the publishing aspect of my business, it's something that I'm noticing coming up a lot. And I think a lot of times um, people in this spiritual community or in the helping professions don't even realize that it's something that they have Mm -hmm. or that they're even aware of. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's like, I sit here and I, I think about it and you know, I think that there's always levels to everything. Like there's always a next level that you can grow into. But looking back on how far I've come and how far I've come through shifting my mindset around this um, and how much it's changed my life mm-hmm. is something that I've been really passionate about wanting to kind of talk a little bit more about and dispel some of the myths. Yeah, I think it's such an important topic. Um, I I'm sure I had a similar, uh, similar experience and upbringing where, you know, I, I grew up, um, you know, uh, and not such, such great circumstances. And it sort of creates this, um, this sense of undeservingness, I think, for lack of a better term. Is that, do you think that that's a big part of it? Do you think like up, 
upbringing and how that affects you, um, you know, later in life, obviously, you know, I just, I just turned 49. I'm, you know, pushing half a century and I find my upbringing still having an effect on my life and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. Of course, you know, our most formidable years are up until we're seven years old. So, of course, that's going to have such a massive impact on our lives. Um, I think there's such a strong past life component as well. Mm -hmm. And definitely a lot of, like, societal in, um, like, energetic agreements that we need to work through when we're on the spiritual path and actually promoting ourselves as such, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, that somebody, um, I, I don't even remember who at some point somebody, you know, made the following statement and I don't know how true it is, but it seems like it could be true that a lot of people who are on the spiritual path, you know, over many lifetimes, um, you know, may have been, sort of monks or, you know, priests or something in past lives where, hey, I took a vow of poverty, right? <laughs> I took a, a vow of not having any personal possessions and not owning things and, um, you know, that sort of thing and uh, still living that out, right? I'm still living, even though that may have been many lifetimes ago, I'm, I'm still living that out. I don't know how true that is. Do you in your work, have you found uh, have you found that to sort of be the case, or is that just sort of a, a story somebody told me? I definitely noticed that um, when I've done you know past life work and and shifting for people, like I, I've definitely noticed that there's a lot of vows of poverty. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that goes in along with this is the visibility. You know, it's really hard to. Um, really be prosperous and abundant in your life if you have visibility issues. Yeah. You know, whether it's of our poverty or like the witch's wound or, or whatever, right. you know, those lifetimes of, of those um, massacres and all of that, you know, I, I think between the two of them, they're, they're very powerful for a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're, I mean, we still live in this culture you know, where, you know, I was commenting at one point that, you know, we still um, have witches as the bad guys in our movies, right? We still, so, you know, even though that whole hysteria might have been hundreds of years ago in in the Western world, um, where, you know, anybody who was a little different, um, and particularly women were persecuted, um, you know, we still live in that culture. We still are experiencing those things coming up. Um, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz with the Good Witch didn't quite <laughs> do it for us um, completely. But, you know, in our culture, we're still exposed to those, um, you know, those images as uh, sort of, I don't, I don't know what you want to say, like this, um, anybody who's sort of manifesting or changing their reality or that sort of thing, there's a tint of... Uh, evil, you know, placed around that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You find that as well. Yeah, you're you're so right. You know, it, it's still it's still definitely out there, and you know, in some of the movies, like Maleficent comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, where she like it, it turns out that it's like 
they end up seeing her as just really wanting to protect her and being loving and all of that. And so it does shift some of the light on that, but there's still so many of those constructs of the, the villain being the, you know, the sorcerer, the witch who's, you know, either power hungry or just trying to destroy the world. Right. Right. And it's such an archetypal, clearly it's coming through in our mythology, like Maleficent's pop culture, but it's still a, a part of what I would consider our modern mythology that, you know, thank goodness for that movie. I, um, I love the message of that, right? Because I think these things, these sorcerers, these, you know, dark beings, I think they represent, they're archetypal, they represent parts of our culture, they represent parts of ourselves that are down in the shadow, right? Down Things that we aren't looking at. And when we work, I did, a, I did an episode on shadow work, and, you know, when we work on these things, when we bring them to light, we realize that they have good intentions for us, that they have um, so much power and so much light and so much um, good stuff to, to process, Totally. Oftentimes the things that we're really trying to push away so much have their greatest gifts. You know, they're the, they're the pieces that once we learn how to accept them and integrate them, you're like, oh, this is here to serve me, not, not hinder me or hold me back. Right. Right. For sure. Um, I want to, there's an aspect of, um, how should I put the sort of prosperity or abundance or manifestation or, or, or what have you? Um, there are these sort of two opposing uh, viewpoints depending on who you talk to. One, for example, is that, um, you know, and I, I get this sometime because I, I, you know, I see clients as a shamanic practitioner and I teach, um, I teach shamanism and other, you know, teach meditation and other classes And sometimes I get, um, and I understand the whole putting yourself out there thing, right? The visibility issue. Um, Because anytime you're, anytime you're visible, you're sort of inviting, um, you know, you're inviting commentary or (laughs) um, sorts of things for people that don't necessarily understand you. And that can be sort of threatening. But sometimes I get pushback saying, um, you know, because I charge money for my services, right? And, um, you know, I get pushback, you know, spiritual teaching, spiritual healing, uh, you should never, you should never uh, accept anything in exchange for that. Um, The other side of that, which clearly I'm on, is that um, there, you know, there should be an exchange of energy, right? And in our, in our culture, and in most cultures now today, you know, money is, money is just a symbol of energy that gets, you know, transferred for, for one, but, but that there should be some exchange. And, you know, for me, I live in a house that I have to pay for and I uh, have children that have to be fed and I can't do this work if I can't take care of my needs. And so, um, you know, I guess maybe that's a third, third aspect is that it's just necessary to live in this culture. I don't live you know, I don't live in a culture where, um, you know, that's tribal, where a tribe is taking care of me while I'm dealing with the spiritual needs of the community, right? I don't, um, I don't live in that culture, so that doesn't work for me. Um, do you find, you know, do you, have you seen this dichotomy, I guess is what I'm asking? Oh, definitely. Even, even so much, you know, as, as recently I've had backlash towards myself from, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
quote unquote friend who also is in is in spiritual work for um, charging for services. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know the, the the whole energy behind it, and what I really believe is that it's you know I know that I came here for a big mission. I mm-hmm. came here to change the consciousness. And I have experienced, like so many of us, I've experienced so many trials and challenges and hardships and pain because of that, like getting me to where that I need to be now. Absolutely. I'm not doing anybody any good if I'm sitting, you know, in a cardboard box on the street because I don't have the money to provide for myself. So then if my physical needs, because we, we are spiritual, but we have physical bodies Mm -hmm. in this earth plane. If my needs and my security are not met, then I'm not going to be able to get to that level that I need to for myself, for my clients or for the, for the mission that I'm here to do. And, you know, I really believe that, well, there, and then there's another aspect of it as well. I mean, There's definitely, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, the whole like self-worth and all of that Mm -hmm. definitely comes into play. Um, There's a lot of stigma still in a lot of spiritual communities about charging or charging well for the work that you do. But it's also when I have invested high levels to work with somebody, I show up in a different way. You know, yeah. I was giving the example to someone the other day. I had um, I had a session with someone the other day that was, you know, what someone called fairly expensive. I showed up. I had my questions. I prepared before I was ready. And had that been a fraction of the price, I probably would have just showed up and been like, okay, I'm here. I'm just open right. to whatever's going to come through. So there's a whole other level of, you know, really being able to to charge in a way that's going to suit your needs, uh, your education, mm-hmm. you being able to continue to work and, and heal on yourself, getting to those elevated states without worrying about money. Um, and, you know, really being able to show up fully and, and enjoy life. I mean, we came here with a big mission and it's been challenging, but aren't we supposed to enjoy the earthly things along the way as well? I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, I, you know, I definitely, um, it's interesting cause we haven't talked before this, but I didn't, didn't realize you'd receive the same backlash, but it's not surprising to me either. Um, but you know, the story that you told is, is extremely interesting, right? So I do think that um, when people invest heavily in work that they're doing, um, you know, and that means different things for different people, but yeah, there is this whole, okay, you know, this is something that um, I have determined is important to me to this level, and um, I am going to get the most out of it. And I've done, you know, I have done my fair share of free work for people. I have, you know, um, worked as a coach and, you know, done sort of pay me, pay me what you want kind of situations. I taught martial arts for a really long time and I was like, ah, just, you know, just show up. And, and what I found, what I found, and it's exactly what you're describing is that people just didn't show up. They just 
either completely no-showed or just weren't present when they were there because they weren't actually invested. They were sort of dipping their toes into whatever it was I was doing. And I do like, um, you know, I think that uh, people who are sort of spreading light in the world like yourself, you know, the work that you're doing is is important and you can find ways to touch communities um, you know, I do this podcast, you know, and clearly people can download this for free. Um, and I hope that it's incredibly useful and that sort of thing. But um, um, I couldn't just do this for a living. <laughs> I couldn't pay my bills. And, um, you know, some small fraction of people who I'm, I'm also on the radio every week, right? And um, some very small fraction of people who listen to this podcast or hear me on the radio actually contact me for sort of deeper work. And then that's completely understood. And those are the people who are meant to sort of work with me one-on-one. Right. And they're sort of self-selecting. But yeah, there's this sort of in the beginning when I um, first sort of hung a shingle as a shamanic practitioner and was, I was very timid about, um, asking people to pay me for a session. Um, but I can't do it for free. I've got to pay for, you know, uh, well, right now everything's remote, but, you know, pay for office space and pay for um, insurance and, and everything else that goes along with that. And um, you're absolutely right. I mean, we are we are living in bodies and we're meant to experience the world. Um, you know, we are we are spirits, but we're, you know, we have bodies for a reason. We're here to experience things. And um, there is nothing wrong with enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with um, with any of that. And there's nothing, in my opinion, wrong with wanting what you want just because you want it. That's another, another maybe aspect of poverty mindset where there's a lot of judgment around the things that you want. Um, boy, did I grow up with that. I think my parents had sort of the intention of, well, we can't afford a lot of things because I grew up fairly, uh, not, not materially comfortable a lot of the time. And, um, you know, my parents would sort of shame me for wanting a new toy or, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, you don't want that. That's a waste of, you know, that's a, and there were always sort of excuses. And I think they were trying to, um, not make me feel bad about us, uh, not having, you know, not having material means, but um, I think it had the opposite effect in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, definitely, definitely the way that we're brought up and all of the, you know, and actually I'm, I'm starting to write a book and, the, and that's part of, of, of what I'm going into, you know, mm-hmm. all of the, all of the, the programming that we are brought into the society with and, and how, how most of the time it really doesn't serve us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and it's not, I mean, not to go too far off on a tangent, it's not just about poverty mindset. And I know you and I have had at least brief conversations about this, you know, about toxic masculinity and this whole, you know, I do a lot of work in the space of, um, divine masculine, divine feminine, that sort of thing. And how, um, yeah, I mean, even, um, you know, I consider myself a feminist because I don't think the patriarchy serves anybody. Like, I don't think it's good for men or women to grow up, um, 
where toxic masculinity is the norm. And um, uh, I realize that's a tangent, but I'm going off on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're so conditioned by the culture that we live in and we're so can in our parents were conditioned and our grandparents and even just in this lifetime. And, you know, there's the, there's the ancestral connection as well. I mean, um, most of most people who are now living in the United States, if your parents and grandparents were born here, you come from an ancestral line that was usually escaping something, either, um, you know, poverty, extreme poverty. You know, I have relatives who came over during the um, Irish potato famine, for example, so people were starving to death. Um, Or you're escaping religious persecution, so there's that whole aspect of it. Or if you're um, if you're native, if you're uh, if you're a Native American and you your line was born here, you were, you know, the the genocide and oppression that you went through, um, and are still going through today. Um, so yeah, I mean we in, we encounter so much of that along our our, our ancestral lines as well. I'm I'm sure. Um, yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure you work with people in their ancestral lines as well as, you know, sort of past life work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a big piece of it. And, you know, I think that's so much of what we are, um, what we're here to do is mm-hmm. to shift and to clear and to deprogram those things for us and then for future generations. It's That's, I mean, that's so much of what I feel like I've spent the last 20 years doing is Mm -hmm. really like deprogramming and clearing out and healing all of that, all of the societal and ancestral and past life stuff. So I could get to this point of being present and being like, okay. And now my work um, has felt like it's shifted where it's more like, okay, now we're focusing on building the new. Now we're focusing on bringing in the new earth and the new consciousness and shifting the paradigm on a global scale. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think what you're speaking to is really how we all have to do our own work, right, individually and recognize um, recognize our conditioning, first of all, right? Um, what part of... And um, uh, Vishen Lakiani, who founded Mind Valley, he's got a book called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, and he dedicates a lot of time to talking about what he calls brules. And um, pardon my French, but that's short for bullshit rules. It's <laughs> recognizing, you know, recognizing rules that... Um, that don't make any sense that we that we're living out and that have actually like, well, why is that? Well, because we've always done it that way. Or why, why is that? Why can't I do this? Well, you just can't, you know, you just can't, there's like, no, there's no good reason. There may have been a good reason at some point in history um, or maybe even not so good reason, but we've adopted a lot of rules from our culture and we live under them and they're quite frankly, sometimes bullshit, right? They're sometimes make no sense. Um, and I do like the term brules. It's a little, you know, <laughs> people don't understand it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about if you recognize, so, the, you know, there's work that we all have to do, right? And I, you know, I, I tell clients and people who study with me and that sort of thing, like, I am, I am a guide, not a guru. I 
am, I will never say that I'm done doing my work, right? Because if I do, I'm putting myself on a pedestal. That's just ego at that point. I'm always, always for the rest of this incarnation going to be working on myself. But because I've done that work um, or I've done a lot of that work and I know where some of my wounds are and that sort of thing, I can sort of sometimes steer people around the rocks in the stream, right? And help them along, along their path. And that's sort of, um, that's sort of where I am. Um, but how, how do people start working on this, um, mindset if they recognize it in themselves and maybe recognizing it in themselves is an important, (laughs) important first step, right? Um, how am I, how am I showing up in the world that is, um, you know, uh, ruled by this mindset? Do you think that's, you know, I mean, it's hard. It's when you're living in your own head, like that's maybe hard to recognize. How, how would one begin? Yeah. So I think that there's two very important aspects to it. You know, first, like you you definitely want to see if there are any blocks or um, beliefs or energies that are, that are, um, limiting your ability to, to shift your mindset and to be visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those can usually be cleared pretty quickly. Like I'm not a big, um, I don't really like to spend a lot of time in the past and diving into all the details and moving into it because from my perspective, that just gives it more energy yep. and it feels yeah. it more. And it is like wiring all of the, the, it's wiring your brain to, to really put more energy into that. So it's like we, we clear those out in the way that you can, but then so much of it has to be like this conscious choice and this conscious like practice of checking back into yourself and saying, okay, so where am I not showing up? Why am I not showing up? What is going mm-hmm. on? What are my beliefs around this? And how can I start to shift it? And so much of it really feels like it needs to be that conscious choice of continually coming back and coming into yourself, um, you know, because I, I really believe that too. Like we're, we, all, we all have the answers inside of ourselves and really connecting back into our hearts and into our soul and, and the guidance of, of that and really harnessing that power to, to propel us forward and to move us through some of these limitations. Um, but so much of it, you know, so much of it has to do with just reminding yourself, like, so I, I'm re- I'm running this program right now and we've been talking about visibility mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's, you know, I have to phrase it this way for a lot of the people who are in the healing professions and the spirituality and all of that. It's like, you may be the most gifted in whatever realm that you do. You may be able to see someone and instantly know this is what's going on with them. I can shift it. I can help, you know, help them, them through this, guide them to this next place. And if nobody knows you exist, who are you helping? Right. Yes. And and then it goes into that poverty aspect. If nobody knows that you exist and you can't feed yourself, you're going to be so stuck in your own fears and your limitations and that survival instinct that you're not going to be able to serve anybody. So by trying to be humble and not, 
not step into this. Honestly, like, what was that term you used? The brule? The brule, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. Because, it's like, it, it's just... It's just a, it's just a block. It's just a limiting belief. It's a way of protecting yourself from being seen. So if you think that you're serving other people by not being seen or not charging what you, what you feel um, would be worth your, your time and would give you a really good life, then it's not about them. It's about you. And why are you afraid to show up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. That's a lot of really good information. Yes. Um, uh, there was something you said about choice and about a continual process that I that that sort of stuck with me um, because um, you know I probably lived a lot of my life under the misapprehension that uh, once I made a choice that that was it. Like it was a decision point and, you know, and I'm said, I, I choose that I'm going to not live in poverty, you know, poverty consciousness. Um, uh, but the reality of it for me, and I think for most people is that choice is a continuous process, right? I have to continue to choose um, my actions, my beliefs, my, you know, that sort of thing, because it's not, it's not that simple. It's relatively com- like, you know, our stuff, um, whatever that is, whether it's stuff living in the shadow or things that culture is forcing on us or whatever. Um, you know, there it, it's multifaceted. And, um, I think in, in any, in any pursuit, and I remember talking to, um, uh, a family therapist one time and I was talking to her about her marriage and she said, you know, I, um, I choose, I choose my husband every day. Right. And that was sort of meaningful for me. Like, oh yeah, you make a conscious choice every day when you get up that I'm going to do this. And I think, um, you know, just doing that has this huge impact on our, you know, whether it's a relationship or your relationship with abundance, um, you know, uh, continually, continually making that choice is, is an important aspect. Do you find, do you find that that's true? That's been true for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, and, and that comes down to, to anything. It's like, I really, I really like to, to think of it in terms of our physical because it's so much more tangible for people to Mm -hmm. understand. Right. So it's like, you know, if you are like, wake up one day and you're like, I choose that I am going to look like Jessica Biel today. (laughs) I have honestly never said that when I woke up, but you know, I get it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or, or whoever, like I choose that I'm going to have a six pack and my body is just going to be really strong and healthy and all of this. Well, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing first step. But you have to continually choose and take the actions that are going to lead you to that. And it's like, you know, so if you're starting like a new exercise regimen or restarting or, or whatever, it's initially the choice is a lot more conscious and you might have to like work a little bit harder to have that choice come back. But then it gets to the point where you've, you've built up this muscle 
no pun intended, Mm -hmm. but you've built up this (laughs) mental muscle of, you know, being able to say like, oh, well, I feel better when I choose to give my body this. So I'm going to continue to do it. And it just gets to the point where it's one of those habits that becomes easier and a little bit more unconscious. And the mindset stuff is exactly the same way. You know, at first, it takes a little bit more effort. It takes a little bit more control. It takes a little bit more focus. But then the more that you do it, the easier that it becomes and the more it just flows. And then the next thing you know, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, look at how far I've come. I used to be really caught up in my limiting beliefs about Mm -hmm. this thing or these used to control my life. And now I don't even, that's not even an issue for me. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just continuing along the, along the path and, and working through these different beliefs in that way. And, you know. Yeah. And I think it's about, you know, uh, you know, what you're talking about is building these positive habits, right? You know, habits, we're habit, humans are habit machines. We can build bad habits in a second. We can build uh, not so bad habits. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer um, because we're overcoming um, things that we that we uh, have built as habits for so long. And we're habit-making machines. You know, when we first learned to tie our shoes, we had to think about it, right? We had to think so hard about, okay, you know, the bunny runs around the tree and goes up to the hole. And now you don't, you just have the intention, tie my shoe, but you've done it so many times that you don't have to think it's, and I think you referred to this, it's moving it into that unconscious level, that level of unconscious competence. And um, uh, I want to call out something else that you were talking about. And to me, that's really, really important. And um, I am a fan in general of uh, law of attraction stuff in that it has changed the mindset, the secret and all of that law of attraction stuff has changed a lot of the mindset around spirituality and brought a lot of attention um, to, you know, to spiritual pursuits and to self-development and that sort of thing. And I think that's fantastic. I think there's, um, I see a missing piece out there frequently that um, with a lot of a lot of attraction stuff, um, you know, to and not to denigrate it um, because I think some of the practices are absolutely beautiful, but um, there's this idea that if I sit on my couch and I think hard enough, a box of money is going to drop into my lap. And gosh, if that worked, um, would we? not have all won the lottery by now, right? Mm-hmm. Gosh, if it worked that way, I mean, um, that is a form of magic. I cannot imagine the amount of energy that would be required to produce a box of money dropping into your lap. And it would be far more, you know, far easier to <laughs> earn that money um, and a manual, uh, you know, doing manual labor or something, right? Um, there's a missing part and that's that is about taking the actions that are required. Um, you know, uh, and I like to refer to like inspired action, right? Really acting from the divine will, d- acting from spirit, doing things that are aligned and ethical and, um, 
all of those things. And I think that's, I think that's a missing piece. I think a lot of people, I see so many programs out there selling. This is, this is the missing piece from the secret, right? I've seen lots of people selling um, movies and books and that sort of thing. And clearly there's a market for that because clearly a lot of people, you know, watch the secret or read the book and um, uh, you know, whatever they were practicing wasn't working to their working to their ability. But I think, I think the missing part is in sort of in that inspired action, the work that you need to do. It's not that it's not that those principles don't work. It's that um, we are a body, a mind and a spirit. <laughs> and um, you know, you, you're not firing on all cylinders if you're not taking all of, all of those layers of yourself into, into account. I see you nodding. Um, so that, <laughs> that's good that we're in agreement. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that that's so much of it. You know, it, it feels like mindset is just the first step. Mm-hmm. Like getting your mind around and focusing on what you want is really important. But then it's also feeling into it. It's taking the actions. And then the the energetic aspect of it is like, you know, I can sit there and I can think about, you know, a box of money falling into my lap all day or, you know, calling in the ideal clients that I want um, to work with. However, if I'm not working on my own energy to align that frequency mm-hmm. to what I'm looking for, anything that I do isn't going to be, um, it's not going to be fruitful. You know, the, the mindset is definitely helpful and can help shift that a little bit. But if I have cords or like what I like to call energetic debris or mm-hmm. attachments or any of that stuff, that's just like leaking my energy all right. over the place. And how am I ever going to be aligned and, and really um, be able to be that, that vibrational match to what I'm looking for? So... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I know we have, we have done a lot of, uh, similar work and, um, you know, one of the things I, I, it's something I work with clients a lot, a lot of courting, a lot of, um, I think you use the term energetic debris. I mean, we just pick up stuff, right? We, we, we pick up stuff that doesn't serve us and having that, um, you know, uh, working with somebody like yourself who can help, um, you know, move through that, clear it away. Um, it, it's tough if you're not, if you're not somebody who's been through, um, you know, sort of a significant amount of training, maybe to see that in yourself where that's, where that's been happening. So, um, that's where, that's where you call the, you know, I want to, I want to be like, there, there should be a ghostbuster song or something, right? Who are you going to call, um, call <laughs> yes. Jessica. Um, <laughs> you need a theme song. When you get you a theme song. Um, I like it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, completely right. And, and so I use the term firing on all cylinders, right? And that's a, you know, if you, if people out there don't know, that's a, it's a car term, right? So you have your engine and your car has cylinders. Let's say you have six cylinders and two of them aren't working, right? Mm-hmm. How much power, how much energy, how, how is the ability for your car to work efficiently and get you from one place to another going to be impacted. It's going to be impacted significantly. And so I think if you think of human cylinders, right, we have our, you know, we have all of our um, bodies for lack of a better term, right? We have our physical body and our mental and our emotional body and our uh, etheric body and our astral, like all of these things, 
when we get them into alignment, that's when I think the magic sort of happens, mm-hmm. right? When we take care, we've got to take care of everything. We're, we're, we're systems of systems. We're comp- complex and, um, and beautiful, you know, beautiful in our complexity. Um, here's, uh, this is completely random, um, completely random fact that just jumped into my head. So um, human DNA is um i think i think it's two meters long every strand of dna is two meters long if you were stretched out end to end um and if you think about uh the how small the nucleus of a cell is where your dna is stored somebody said it's like packing 50 miles of kite string into a shoe box like it's just kind of a miracle and only three percent of your dna is coding dna right meaning that it creates the proteins that build your entire body. And the other 97% scientists have some scientists have referred to as junk DNA, right? Doesn't do anything because we don't know what it does. Um, But that some really smart people way smarter than I am took that, um, took that DNA, uh, that quote unquote junk DNA and ran it through um, linguistic analysis software, multiple algorithms, and it codes as language, as human language. It has the same statistical patterns that we don't understand it. So even on the very physical level, and you're inside your nucleus, inside your DNA, there's so much complexity there. There's so much, and that's just one part of you. I guess that's where this whole tangent is going. Um, about how we have to address ourselves at the um, at different levels, and epigenetic research is really interesting, and it has told us what um, shamans from ages ago have told us that you know tra- things like trauma get passed down in even on the physical level, even on gen- genetic level, we can detect. Um, Generations and generations ago, there's a study of the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, and we can detect epigenetic changes in the you know a couple of generations. And I think they did a study with worms who have you know simpler DNA, and they can detect changes twenty three generations. Obviously, that's hard to study with humans because that's you know represents a really, really long time. Um, but with worms, you know, they could detect epigenetic changes um, from things like starvation or trauma uh, 23 generations later. So I think my whole tangent is about how we have to address these things in ourselves. I, I feel like we've gone way beyond poverty mindset at this point, but that's okay. It's all good. We never, we never know where this is going to go. <laughs> Exactly. It's so true. The epigenetics just fascinates me. And it makes so much sense too. You know, we know with our with our training and our work that we are energy mm-hmm. and that that is impacting everything. So it's um it's really powerful to me. And that's, you know, before I was well on my you know, my, my energetic training healing journey before I had my daughter. And I'm so glad that I was. And that was one of my things, like, as I started to get older, it kind of fueled me. I was like, I need to clean up as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not passing this on to her. Um, and you know, I think that there's, 
I'm sure that there haven't been any studies about this, but I think that energetically, you know, even still the work that I'm doing is still shifting her, um, you know, and, and that aspect as well. Yeah. Um, so I like to say when you heal yourself, you heal the world, right? And, you know, the the closer people are, definitely your daughter, right? Definitely when I work on myself, it has a positive, I've seen it have a positive in, impact on, on my kids. And, um, you know, the nice thing, in my opinion, is that a lot of that energetic work, a lot of that spiritual work, it actually... Um, this may be a little mind bendy up there if you've never done past life stuff, but it actually travels in both directions on your ancestral line. Meaning um, people who came before you are actually going to get a benefit from the work that you're doing. I know it's hard, you know, think about your great, great, great grandparents getting a boost from the work that you're doing. Um, but in the formless world of spirits, uh, time isn't really the same thing as it is in physical reality. Um, but definitely in physical reality, when you do that work, and um, there's definitely, maybe not on a spiritual level, but there's definitely studies out there about um, how parents who do their own work on a psychological basis, right? So um, if I am suffering from depression or something like that, how uh, doing, doing my own work um, and that alone, just, just having that change in myself has a huge impact on, um, on my children. Um, and that's, you know, that's always been a big driver for my own um, personal development and the way that I show up in the world. I know it is for you too. Like what kind of a world do I want to leave for my kids and, you know, if they have kids and, and that sort of thing. Um, but it starts with the changes I make in myself because I, this is the most control I have over anything. It's really yes. the only control I have over anything. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Particularly, I mean, gosh, we haven't even talked about this, but you know, having, um, having kids, school age kids during the pandemic and they're, you know, um, being a parent and the, the challenges of all of that, um, you recognize, um, this is the only thing. And I'm, I'm pointing at myself. I realize you can't see that out there in podcast land. Um, this is the only thing I have any control over whatsoever. So that's, those are my handles, right? If, if you think about life as a machine with a bunch of handles, the, the handles I have that I can control things with really just point at myself. They're really just connected to parts of myself. And those, those are the things that, and maybe recognizing that as part of escaping this, um, this mindset that might not be serving us. Yeah, definitely. And even like, and even to take it one step further, you know, our kids are, of course, so intimately connected with us, but all of our relationships, you know, it's, I've talked to so many people about this where they're, they're frustrated with a friend or their boss or their spouse. And it's like, you are the only person that you can control, mm -hmm. you know, so, so work on you, work on how you perceive things and, Take, taking everything, and, and this is going off, I'm not going to get too far into this because this will be a whole other tangent. <laughs> you know, it's like looking at everything as like, wow, okay, I was really triggered by that or that really brought up a lot of things for me. So instead of being upset at 
the out the external thing that is triggering you mm-hmm. looking at and saying thank you so much for showing me where i still need to heal thank you so much for this opportunity of reflection and you know i think kids are the biggest reflector of that absolutely 100% <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah i could t- so i have um i have twin do- i mean you know this but um i have twin daughters and they each reflect different aspects of my personality. And when I look at some of the things they do that maybe, you know, Trump kids do when they get into trouble or whatever, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I need to take responsibility for that. <laughs> and their mom, will, their mom will tell you, they're like, you got that from your dad. And I, there's, no, there's no fighting about that. That's, a, you know, I'll own it. I'll own it. All of the um, mischief and trouble, that's all me, 100%. Um, so, you know, I've earned it. I've earned those mirrors. I've earned that reflection and, um, it's, you know, I chuck, I laugh a lot. And so it's, it's a good thing. Um, we're coming to the end. Can you believe that? It's been, you know, almost an hour that we've been talking and we've been coming to the end, but I, I want to, um, this has been fantastic. It's definitely been, I, you know, eye opening for me, um, as I'm sure it is for all of our listeners. I want to, um, I do, I want to because I don't 100% know what you're up to. I want to find out like on a on a professional level what you're uh what you're doing and what you're up to. Awesome. Yeah, so um to be completely honest, I'm never 100% sure what I'm up to. <laughs> okay, something else we have in common. All right. I get it. <laughs> So, um, I'm so guided that sometimes it's just, and over this past year, I've had pivot, like shift after shift after shift and mm-hmm. changes. Um, so, but in all reality, yes, I do have some, some awesome projects that I'm working on. Um, so my biggest focus right now is I have been, um, assisting these heart centered leaders who know that they're here to create big change. They're the, mm-hmm. the way showers, the paradigm shifters, um, and I'm helping them get their, their voices in their their work and their gifts out on a global platform through a multi-authored book. Um, And and this is the one that I'm doing right now. I have more uh, projects that are kind of, this is why I'm saying I don't have full control over it because um, I'm a very direct channel. So oftentimes it's like, okay, this is what you're doing next. And then this Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm just, uh, even though I definitely have control and free will, I, it feels like with following that, I'm just kind of along for the ride sometimes. Yeah, I hear you. Um, <laughs> so this um, this current project, uh, the title is called Soul Mission, Leaders Ushering in the New Earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm designing it as a, um, as a teaching platform. So each contributor is sharing um, a lesson, a skill, a mindset shift through either a story or a written out lesson um, or a combination of both. And um, I'm, you know, doing all of the, the energetic, the mindset support. Um, I have um, 
someone amazing who's coming in and doing a couple of writing classes. Um, I have all of these things in the works. And then I'm taking care of all of the back end things. So I'm, you know, hiring very like premium editing, um, contextual editing, uh, high end cover designer, doing all of that. And um, pulling this together and getting this book out to as many people as humanly possible. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's very good. Another one that I told you that will be in the works and um, I'm, I haven't started on this one yet, but there's definitely an aspect about the toxic masculinity yeah. Um, yeah. coming in because that's that's so important. And, you know, we could go on a we could do a whole like three hours just on this easily. Um, you know, but it's very courageous of men to be able to recognize that within themselves and to shift that. And then also, you know, be a, be a guide and, and standing up for others to be able to do the same thing. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of stigma against that and a lot of pressures against that. So I'm really wanting to give, I and my guides are really wanting <laughs> to give voice to that as well. Um, so yeah, that is my main focus. I do some one-on-one coaching, um, mm-hmm. but it's very limited. I usually only take two to three clients at a time. Um, I like to really dedicate a lot of my, my time and my energy to them. Um, and so I'm, I'm focusing on my book project. I am still taking contributors for that. If anyone, uh, is, is interested, you can get, um, find out all of the details on my website is jessverrill.com. So it's J E S S V as in Victor E R R I L L.com. Um, there's a whole section under there for blue indigo publishing and um, I have some fun other things coming down the pipeline, too. I'm working on my own solo book and an immersion course that will go with that. So Very nice. Very nice. So I think what that means is that you have to come back and be a guest again. Yeah. So we can find out what's going, what else is going on. And I totally agree. We could, um, gosh, I mean, I... Um, I've written quite a bit about um, toxic masculinity, so we can definitely spend a whole lot of time on that topic. How important. And um, I think it's just amazing. I, I love the idea of the, the multi-authored book and bringing these um, spiritual leaders together. And so I'm excited to read it when when you're done with it. And, and what an important task you're doing um, because taking care of all of the back-end uh, part of that is, uh, and doing the energetic support. Wow. Um, I can't imagine how busy you must be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty busy. And you're a mom. So, wow. That's yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I am pretty busy, but you know, that's such a limiting thing for so many people. You know, they don't want to get their work out there. They want to write, but either they don't know how to self publish or they don't getting into traditional publishing contract is what like 1% of people actually are able to do it. It's, it's so old school that, you know, and has so many barriers to it that I really wanted to make it as accessible to so many more people. Yeah. I mean, I, um, yes, (laughs) I complete, I completely agree. Um, I have done the traditional publishing 
thing. And, um, you know, I work, I do work, uh, I have worked with a publisher and I do work with, with a publisher, but it's challenging. And for me, it was, um, uh, you know, not, I mean, yes, I've written book proposals and that sort of thing, but it's, um, uh, you know, it's almost the kind of thing where I had to have a personal connection and somebody come to me kind of thing where I wasn't sort of randomly, I can't even imagine doing that in this day and age. Um, uh, the whole traditional, like mailing a manuscript off. I mean, they're, yeah, they're publishing houses that do that, but it's, um, you gotta, yeah, definitely have to be prepared for a whole lot of, um, rejection and paying for a lot of stamps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) to mail stuff back and to get it mailed back to you or, or, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing. As I said that a giant crow just flew in front of my, my window and, um, crow is definitely a messenger, uh, spirit for me. Um, this is, this one's an old friend, um, who I, see from time to time. I try to try to, I think it's a her and I, I don't know the difference honestly, but I've, I've said it's a her and I've, uh, I try to feed her and her friends. So it's usually a pretty good omen. Um, but with that, we're almost at an hour. That's crazy. The time flies. Um, I just want to thank you so much for um, coming on. I will, um, uh, you know, there will be, uh, you know, information in the podcast notes. If you are interested in what Jessica's got going on, definitely check her out. Keep an eye out for her um, books. And I know I have enjoyed this conversation immensely. And so um, what I want to do is I will cajole Jessica to come back in the future and talk about (laughs) other things, maybe as she, you know, with respect to her, with respect to her busy schedule, but super nice to um, see you. It's been a little while um, and fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much. Um, one other thing that I just wanted to throw out there, if anybody is on Clubhouse, I'm doing a lot of um, a lot of rooms and hosting on Clubhouse, so you can follow me on there as well. And my handle is at Jess Farrell. Awesome. So if you've got Clubhouse, if you were lucky in you ha- you're in Clubhouse. Um, find Jess. Find Jess there. been listening to Speaking Spirit with your host, John Moore. For more info or to contact John, go to mainshaman.com. That's M-A-I-N-E-S-H-A-M-A-N.com. 